these words of heaven, which is where God lives, and I refuse to see where it's hell, where the devil's going to live. And we don't want to go there. But I don't want any of them to frighten you, okay? I want you to know that this is what Jesus teaches, and more than anything else, this is what Jesus promises, not only you and me, but everybody and everybody in the whole world. Please join us in singing hymn number 252. Down at the cross, we'll sing the first, second, and fourth verse. Let's stand.
thank you for your faithful stewardship to the Lord through the church. And thank you for your faithful giving. And we always pray that God will use it for his honor and glory. Before I get Tommy Cozart to say a prayer, one thing I did want to mention is I hope you received the letter from the uh, Pastor Search Committee uh, this week. Here are the surveys uh, that they've asked you to, if you would like to fill one out. They're up here at the front and also in the back. Tommy, would you lead us, please? Amen.
if you heard any wrong notes in that, it was me, okay? But the rest of you guys did fantastic. Thank y'all so much. And Christy, is this the second time you played the organ or the first time? At second or third. Second or third. Let's give her a new organist. Let's give her... <laughs> Let me pray. I better get on track. Matt, and a new choir member, Linda, Linda Thaxton. And an old preacher. <laughs> you won't, if I preach an hour, you won't feel that way, will you? Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that we are your children. Not because we deserve to be your children, but because of your grace and the work of your Son. We can say that we are the children of the King. And Father, so often as we live the life, we forget every day the many things that you have done and are doing and the things that you're going to do for us. Thank you that to be one of your children means that the end will be better than the beginning. And God, I just pray that as we begin a study on the coming again of Jesus, Father, that we'll hear each one of us in our own way. We'll hear the Spirit of God speak to our heart and mind. And Father, not that it would just be a challenge to live for Jesus on a day-to-day basis, but it would be an assurance for us that that following you and living you truly is, is the right path to choose in life. And as we follow you, Father, may we influence others to turn to your Son also. And God, may we have a burden, too, that when you send your Son back, that, Lord, our families, our friends, our communities, even our world might have heard the gospel and might have responded and received your Son as Savior. But, Father, in the weeks ahead, may we not grow tired of the theme of Jesus is coming again, but, God, may it be truly some encouraging and some enlightening and, God, some thrilling messages from your Son that, that he has prepared a place for us in heaven, that heaven is real, and that eternity will be filled with your love for those who have trusted your Son. And God, I pray that in these coming weeks as we talk about the return of your Son, that if there's someone here that has not fully understood the reason that he came the first time to die on the cross, to take upon himself our sin, Father, may they come to faith in Christ and may they ask him to be their Savior. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that wants to speak to our hearts and minds today about what it means that Jesus will come back. Father, please speak, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. For months, I can truthfully tell you I've been, I've felt leadership from the Lord in preparing a study or a series of sermons on the second coming of Christ. And folks, I want to tell you, you know the old story about opening up a can of worms when you begin to talk about the return of Christ. There are just so many aspects. There are so many things that the Word of God teaches about the second coming of Christ. 
And so I hope that you'll be patient with me. And I hope that you'll pray for me. I don't understand it all. But I want to share what God will reveal to me from the word of God with you. And there are probably many of you that know more than I do. And if you want to give a testimony about what you found out, please, please. Not, this is not in my notes. I'm just up saying this. I, I, I want you. We need to hear again that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back because he is alive. Not as we are. He is alive in heaven. He is alive in our hearts. He is alive in our minds. And he is coming back. How can we know that? Well, let's read these three verses out of John 14. John 14, beginning with verse 1. Jesus said, and I'm reading out of the Living Bible, excuse me, out of the Revised Standard, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he said, in my Father's house are many rooms. Now, to be quite frank with you, I love the King James translations better. In my Father's house are many mansions. The Living Bible says, in my Father's house are many homes. Jesus said, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for who? For you and me, his children. And he says in verse 3, when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am there you may be also. And I want you to understand something. I'm not going to try and give you my opinion on things. I'm going to try and tell you in the coming weeks what Jesus himself has said and what the word of God tells us about his return. And folks, my opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter, but what does matter is that we turn back to God's divinely inspired word and hear not only God's Son speak these promises, but men like Paul and others whom the Spirit of God inspired to write about the second coming of Christ. First of all, I want to just talk about why should we do this series of sermons. And there are several reasons that I want to mention. I think there are many reasons, but number one, to teach and to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20 talking to people, said that he had been sent to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God. And folks, if I don't share with you what the Word of God says about the second coming, I have done a great injustice to you and to all of this community because we need to not only proclaim it, we need to be prepared to meet Jesus face to face. And I want to point something out. The Word of God tells us that one day every living person or every person that has died will meet Jesus face to face. And let me read to you out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. And I encourage you, write these scriptures down, not because I'm telling them, but because they're here in the Word of God. Listen to Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11 that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And folks, we read this in the English, and it really perhaps doesn't have that much meaning. But you see, back in, in Paul's day as he was writing this, to the Jewish people, there were three realms of existence. There were those that were in heaven, 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all the angelic beings, the ones that had gone on before. There were people living on this earth. And the people under the earth, the Jewish people thought that that the place of the, the abode of the devil and his minions and all those who had died without believing in God, they lived under the earth. And so what Paul is saying here, basically, every being in heaven on this earth, every being under the earth that has died, they'll bow their knee. And what will happen in verse 11? Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I don't want to seem hateful or mean-spirited as I tell some of these things, but people who don't believe in Jesus, people who will not confess him as being the Son of God and the King of kings and Lord of lords in this life, one day they shall bow the knee and confess with their tongue that he is God. To the glory of God the Father. Folks, this is going to happen because it is in the Word of God. And folks, every one of us need to be prepared to meet Jesus. Folks, I look forward to that day, to bending the knee and confessing who he is. Because I know that to be true in my heart. And from the word of God, I know it to be true from watching your lives. Because I see Jesus Christ in you. And it will not be a hard thing for we who know Christ, who believe in his crucifixion, in his death, in his resurrection. It will not be a hard thing for us to bow the knee and confess with our tongue who he is. Matter of fact, and I think, I hope I'm not standing close to Cindy because she's going to be shouting to the top of her voice. But I'm going to be in that number with you, sister. It'll be a time of shouting and praising God like we've never seen before. And you might think I've gone off on the deep end. I haven't. I'm getting ready to get up there and be with the Lord Jesus Christ as I get older. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on Jesus. And, folks, it's time we got excited again as a church of Jesus Christ that our Savior is coming back. But listen, there's, there's two ways that we've got to understand this. First of all, if we are born again, there's going to be one of two ways that we're going to meet the Lord. And I'm, I'm just giving an overview this morning, okay? We're either going to meet the Lord through death or through the rapture of the church. Let me read some verses to you. First of all, let me read 2 Corinthians 5.10. And again, I hope you'll write this verse down. And this verse is written for Christians, okay? Listen to this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what is that? I just want you to know this verse. Later on, we're going to talk about this, okay? It might be a couple of weeks. But this is a very important verse to Christians. To Christians. A Christian will meet before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. Folks, when you and I die, we go to be with the Lord. Our spirit, our soul, we go to be with the Lord. And I hope someone's saying, well, how do you know that? Listen to the verses before, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 9. Listen to these verses, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 through 9. And Paul here is speaking about dying, okay, as a Christian. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Now think about this for just a second. 
And to put this in plain English, Paul is saying, while we're living on this earth, in this life, we're looking forward to being with the Lord. So when we're in this body, this physical body, which can be tempted to sin and which so often does sin, but when we're in this body, we're away from the Lord. But listen to what he says. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I want to tell you, somebody's going to say, well, how can you believe this stuff? You can't see heaven. You can't prove that it's there. But I know it is in my heart, don't you? Don't you know as, as a child of God? You know, I moved away from my mama for many years, but I always knew my earthly home where I was raised was down on 6 Emily Drive, Sumter, South Carolina. And I knew that I would always be welcome there. I couldn't see it from Roxburgh, North Carolina, but I knew it was there. And I knew that my mother was there and she loved me. Well, folks, in the same way, through faith, we know that heaven is there. And we know that there's a heavenly father, any son and his spirit that love us and wants us to be there with him, with them for eternity. And we will. But folks, at this point in time, we take this by faith, right? Now listen to verse 8 and verse 9 in this passage of Scripture. If you'll go, Sarah, to the next frame. We are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home where? With the Lord. How does the King James translate that? The absent from the body is to be present with who? God, with the Lord. And you see, when you and I die, our body that God gave us for this earth is deposited in the ground back here. But our spirit goes on to be with the Lord. I'm not trying to be confusing because, folks, again, I don't fully understand because I'm still a human being. But I'm saying that the word of God, I believe, teaches. And this is why we have a resurrection of the body, but it's a new spiritual body that we take with take that is given to us to live in heaven. But folks, when we die as Christians, we're taken to be with the Lord. But listen to what he says. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. You remember what Paul says, and I don't have these verses written down. Uh, Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You remember that? That's in, in Philippians chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 21. And so what I'm trying to say, you and I as Christians are going to meet the Lord either through death or at the rapture of the church. And again, here's a whole other sermon or a couple of sermons. Let me read this to you out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. And if you and I, as Christians, are living on this earth when Jesus comes back to take his church out of the world, this is what's going to happen. And again, I believe that the Spirit of God so empowered Paul to understand this. And you see, Paul and the early Christians, that first generation of Christians, thought that Jesus was going to come back before they died. And some of them began to die. And so from Thessalonica, they wrote Paul and they said, what about our loved ones who have died? We thought Jesus was coming back. Are they safe? And listen to what Paul says. But we would not have you ignorant or uneducated, so to speak, brethren, concerning those who are asleep or who have died, that you may not grieve. If you'll go back, I hadn't finished that one yet. Thank you. 
and I couldn't quote it by memory, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You see, as Christians, as we go to the graveside, we grieve, but our grief is not because we don't have hope. We have hope. And that hope, listen to this, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or died. Because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, we can also believe that Jesus is coming back for his church. And Paul says in verse 15, listen to how he words this. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. Paul does not say, this is some story I concocted, or this is my own impression. He says, I'm telling you this by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. So for those in Christ who have died, they're safe in Jesus' arms. For those of us who perhaps, if Jesus came back today, we would be raptured out of this world as his children, as his body of believers. And listen to how Paul describes this beginning in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangels called, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then, then we who are alive who are left shall be called up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. You remember the series Left Behind? You remember that? You remember the movies? Remember when the rapture takes place and there are people that are taken out and people that are left? You might say, well, that's science fiction, not according to the Word of God that we find here in Second, Second Thessalonians. And listen to this, verse 18, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Folks, and I've got permission to share this story. Uh, apparently, last Sunday, or Sunday before last, one of our young children in Sunday school was taught that, that Jesus was coming back. Thank God for Sunday school teachers that will teach the Word of God. And that week, and i tell you who it was, little Andy Long. Is Andy here this morning? He he, just, <laughs> he 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 was so Im- impressed that it got on his mind, and he asked his granddaddy Tracy during the week. He said, "What if Jesus comes back and I'm asleep?" That's a good question, isn't it? But let me tell you something. What did Paul say? We'll hear the trumpet of God. But I love Tracy's answer, and I'm not trying to brag on Tracy or Andy, but Tracy said, if Jesus comes back and you're asleep, I'll wake you. There's a lot of people that are spiritually asleep, and we need to tell them about Jesus, that he came the first time and he died on the cross, that their sins might be washed away, and he's coming again to take us home, y'all. And we'll forever be with the Lord. But let me tell you the other side of that. How about the lost? How about the lost? And folks, I'm not trying to scare anyone or confuse anyone, but to tell you the truth from the word of God. Let me say that again. From the word of God. Let me tell you what the word of God says about those who have not trusted Christ as Savior. 
in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. And we'll get more involved in these things, but you remember 2 Corinthians 5, 10, the judgment seat of Christ, that's for Christians. In Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 11, there's a, a great white throne judgment. And that is when all non-believers will stand before God's judgment throne. Listen to what John reveals that was revealed to him. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. Also another book was open, which is the book of life. The book of life is referred to in the book of Revelation. Those who have trusted Christ as their Savior, their name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. But if your name is missing, guess what? You've never trusted Christ as Savior. The dead were judged by what were written in the books, what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead in them. And all were judged by what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You might say, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I thought God was a God of mercy and a God of grace. He is. I thought that Jesus died to save everyone from sin. He did. But folks, let me tell you something. Remember the warning of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount? Listen to these two verses, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Listen to this. There are two ways. Listen to verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads where? To destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads where? To life. And those who find it are few. Listen to what Jesus is saying. There's a way that leads to destruction. There's a way that leads to life. When we follow the devil, we're on the way that leads to destruction. When we follow Christ, we're on the road that leads to life. Folks, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks of life, eternal life, abundant life, life with he and the Father. But you see, if we reject his path. And you remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Folks, we can't get to, we can't get to the Lord and that heavenly home if we have unconfessed, unforgiven sins that have not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, that's kind of harsh. But folks, that is the truth. And you might say, according to who? Listen to the words of Jesus in John 3, verse 16 to 20. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now listen. He came that we might have eternal life. But listen to the verses following. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. 
He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name. And it's not just the name of Jesus. It is the authority of Jesus. That's what the word name in the Bible means, the authority. He who has not believed in the authority or name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his lights, lest his deeds be exposed. Folks, here's what I'm trying to say. Our eternal destiny is determined by us. If we acknowledge that we are a sinner, If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die on the cross for our sins and to secure our eternal salvation, if we lean upon his mercy and grace to save us, we're born into the kingdom of God and we're given eternal life. But if we choose to deny our sinfulness, to deny that Jesus is God's Son who has opened the door to salvation for everyone who will call upon him, if we reject Jesus' love, grace, shed blood, if we depend upon our good works, then, folks, we're lost. Our names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we condemn ourselves to eternity without God. That's not what the Lord wants. But the decision is ours. And again, my purpose today in the coming weeks is not to scare nor confuse, but to confront you and me with the truth from the word of God. I can't save you. This church can't save you. But when you make the decision to yield your heart to Jesus, he can and he will. Let us pray. (coughs) Father, I thank you that you offer salvation to all of us that there's not anyone in creation that you do not love and that you do not offer your salvation to. But, Father, help us to realize that you give us that freedom of choosing. And we can say yes to your son or we can say no. God, help us to be aware of the results of our choices and of our decisions. God, I thank you again for your mercy and love that you don't desire that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance and salvation in your Son. And I pray, Father, for those that might be here this morning that have not yet trusted Christ. I pray, Father, that you'll just make your word and your Son so plain and clear to them and that by the urging of the Holy Spirit in their heart, they would turn and acknowledge their need of Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, and that they would acknowledge him as their Son, the Son of God, and their Savior. 
Father, lead them to trust your son. And Father, I pray for we who are Christians. God, you love us so much, and we thank you for that. We don't deserve it, but Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, in these moments of invitation, I just pray that the Spirit of God would so fill this place that if there are those today that need to make decisions, that you prepared these moments, Lord, for them to come and hear your word, not a preacher, but to hear your word, I pray, Father, they would respond in faith to you and to your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn this this morning is number 607. What a day that will be. Let us stand as we sing.